Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting The Productivity Show. Receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com slash TPS30 and use the offer code TPS30. Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. Ever wonder why some people get so much done compared to others? Behind every super productive person I've met is an intentional approach to how they manage their calendar. And in this episode, Brooks and I dive deep on how to set your day up for success by managing your calendar well. We talk about why you need a calendar in the first place, what types of things should go on your calendar, the three simple steps for setting up your calendars, recommended applications and services, including some PC and Android options, and eight advanced calendar management tips to help you plan and execute your perfect week. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 198. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, this is Mike Schmitz and with me today to talk about calendar management, which is something that we talk a lot about at Asian Efficiency, but it's been a while since we covered it here on the podcast, is Mr. Brooks Duncan. How are you doing today, Brooks? I'm excellent. Looking forward to it. There was an appointment for this on my calendar, so I made sure to be here at the right time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meta discussion, I guess, about calendars, by the way. Uh, we record these episodes live in front of the dojo audience. And so if you're listening to this, I just want to point out, uh, because every time I post this, I get people saying they didn't know that this was there. Uh, there is actually a calendar that tells you when we are going to be recording these episodes. So we're going to talk a lot about the different uses of calendars, but I'll just throw that out there right at the beginning. Um, and let's maybe start here, Brooks, with why do we need to use a calendar anyways? I mean, if this is really important, aren't you going to show up and record this anyways? Well, yes and no. Uh, yes, if I know that it's this time. So that's one function of the calendar is, you know, knowing where to be when, but it's it's the other side. And I think this is going to be an area we're really going to dive into in the context of of the podcast is by having this on my calendar, that means that I'm not going to be doing other things. Like there was a, a project I was working on throughout the day and I, I had a hard stop. I had to, didn't matter if I was in the middle of it, I had to stop because I had this on my calendar. If this wasn't on my calendar, uh, no offense, Mike, I like hanging out with you, but if this wasn't on my calendar, uh, I probably would have just dozed right through and kept uh, working on what I was working on. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, and really talking about why specifically people need to use a calendar, and it's not just me, it's not just you, it's not just people who are listening to this episode and care about improving their productivity. It's really because you care about how you spend your time. Uh, I think it was Peter Drucker who said, basically, you can't manage what you don't measure. And a calendar really is the yardstick that you use to measure how you spend your time. Now, you can take this to an extreme. You know, everything you have to do does have to take place within the context of time. But really, the 80-20 here is that you'll never achieve your perfect week if you're not intentional about it. That's something that we talk a lot about. And just putting a little bit of effort into the intentionality behind how you're going to spend your time can make a significant difference in how you actually spend your time. Now, again, this is time management. This is kind of like the, the first level. 
and we teach at Asian Efficiency that there's a couple different levels here. So first, you've got your time. Uh, and then once you have managed your time well, you may have the time to do something, but you still don't take action on it. Then you have to manage your energy. And once you've managed your energy, you still have to be able to focus it at a specific point. But today we're going to kind of specifically be talking about the time management piece here and how you can apply this uh, using a lot of different applications and a lot of different platforms. Yeah, this is something we hear a lot from people in, for example, the dojo, our community, or other Asian efficiency readers, other people that we talk to. This is something we hear a lot where they, one of the biggest gains that they get is having that space uh, and time to, to really put things on their calendar, get their calendar all sorted out. And then all the other benefits, all the other gains that they have kind of goes from there. It gives them the foundation to make all these other changes they want to make. We hear that over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk about, you know, you want to get started with calendar management. How many calendars do you need? Now, the traditional approach, I think, uh, this is very general, but I think it's safe to say this has been a work calendar and a personal calendar. But I'm going to say on the record right now that I think that that is a terrible idea because as we <laughs> talked about in TPS 139, which I think you recorded with me, Brooks, there is no such thing as this work-life balance. And so you may have a work calendar, you may have a personal calendar, but there are other things that you have to do and you can't view them in isolation. Really, the calendar canvas that you are looking at is your 24 hours in a day and you may have those two different uh, distinctions on there, but there are going to be other things that don't fit real nicely into those buckets. And regardless of where you draw the lines, it is up to you to arrange all of these things so that the important things get done and the unimportant things, you don't waste any of your valuable time, attention, focus, energy uh, on those things. You're, you're focused only on the things that are going to move the needle in terms of helping you achieve your ideal future. Yeah, actually, my it's funny, my wife and I, this is in the context of family, not work, but my wife, wife and I were just talking about this uh, literally yesterday. We were, we were driving home and we were saying, oh, it would be nice if the kids did this and the kids did that. And then we realized, oh, wait a second, that's because they're scheduled, you know, seven days a week doing soccer stuff and other type of activities. And we realized it was intentional in a way, but we've created this imbalance. So there isn't other time for these other things because of the choices we made. Uh, and so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, there, there, everything that you do impacts the other things that are, that are on your calendar, so to speak. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now by Patrick Lencioni. It's not the five dysfunctions of a team, but he also wrote a book called uh, three big questions for a frantic family. And it's written in the same style. So it's a fable. Oh. And uh, the fable is interesting because uh, it's this family that feels like they're barely hanging on. They're trying to check all the boxes, do all the things. And they're thinking to themselves, well, these other people, they've got it. They've got it together. So we should go talk to them about how they do it. And what they discover is that nobody's really got this together. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, long story short, spoiler alert, the, the takeaway at the end is that you don't have to do everything. You don't have to be great at everything. You don't have to have a spotless house and all these other things. It, it really comes back to the intentionality. So what is your family in Patrick Lencioni's words, your rallying cry? What is the thing that you really want to be known for? And then from there, you can make distinctions about, well, this should this we should make sure that we do. And these things, they really aren't that important. Uh, and that approach, I think, definitely has value here when you're talking about work-life balance or really, you had mentioned intentional imbalance. And that comes from 
Uh, the 12-week year, I think, is where I originally heard that. Basic idea is still the same. You can't do all this stuff, so pick the things that are important and make time for those. Uh, Jack Welch put it this way. He said, there's no such thing as work-life balance. There are work-life choices, and you make them, and they have consequences. So really, it's just about being okay with the consequences of the choices that you're making. Yeah, and uh, Katie has an interesting point, and uh, I think it's going to agree with what we're going to talk about, although it might sound like it, it doesn't, which is, uh, she says, uh, this is Katie in the dojo. We, As Mike says, we record live along with our uh, dojo community. Uh, she says the best thing she ever did with a calendar was to accept one life equals one calendar planner. So you can definitely break it up the way that uh, we're going to talk about doing it, but you got all of those, no matter how many ways you break it up, you got to realize that it comes down to one, everything adds up to one, to one thing that you've got to balance. Yeah, exactly. And really there's two different approaches here, which the, the end outcome is really the same. So you could have one specific calendar. And when we say one calendar, we're really talking about like one calendar account. If you're using like a Google calendar, an iCloud type calendar, uh, and then you can color code the individual events that are on that calendar for the different types of things, different roles and responsibilities that you have. Or you can have separate calendars for what is important to you. But all of those are going to appear on that one calendar canvas. So you're not yep. going to have a calendar over over here that you look at when you're in work mode and a calendar over here that you look at when you're in family mode. Those have to be existing in the same ecosystem because there's give and take between all of the things that you're saying yes to. When you say yes to working late on a work project, you're saying no to being at the soccer game or vice versa. And it's important to recognize that those uh, those choices are being made. But the bottom line here, regardless of how you implement this, and Katie and Matt are having a little bit of a discussion here, but <laughs> I think this is really the, the, uh, the heart of this. If something's really important to you, it's got to get on your calendar. And how you define where what that looks like uh, on your calendar is up to you. But really, if, if something is a, is a priority, you need to get it on there. You want to not prioritize your schedule. You want to schedule your priorities. <laughs> yep, exactly. And yeah, so basically, uh, it's like you said, there's kind of two approaches. You have one calendar and then maybe you color code certain things or you have separate calendars. And I think that's the discussion that's going on in the dojo right now is... Uh, different ways of doing it. Me personally, I'm team separate calendars. Everything shows up on my calendar canvas, which is a good way to put it, all these different calendars, but I can turn on and off ones if I really want to focus on a certain area, but I want that ability and to share it with different people, but I want that ability to see everything. And uh, Matt uh, in the dojo just posted a screenshot of his calendar and the title he gave it was completely insane. <laughs> <laughs> which I think a, a lot yeah, of our calendars, actually, yeah, a lot of our calendars look that way probably. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I don't think this looks all that bad. I mean, yeah, there's some overlapping colors and things like that, but that's okay. I mean, we have this calendar and I see the event on there for, for recording uh, podcast episodes. And we don't expect by sharing that calendar with people that they are now going to block out every Monday, you know, as we record this at 3 p.m. Central Time, 
that they're going to block out that time to to be online with us and to create a, a better podcast. Now, when they do that, that's awesome. We love that. But the information is there so that they can make the decision about where this fits within their priorities for the day. Some people have work meetings right now or they're on the other side of the world. And this is, you know, it's morning for Katie and it's it's evening for, for Matt. Uh, and you can make your own decisions about where this fits but the information is right there and you can turn it on and off uh, at any given moment. Now, there's a couple steps here that I want to walk through for setting up your calendars. And really, number one here, decide what calendars you're going to use. This is really what we're talking about right now. So Matt shared his screenshot. He's got a bunch of different calendars on there. Uh, I want to share some of our favorite calendars for the different modes that we want to operate in. And Brooks, I'll let you go first. Uh, sure, because I'm actually really fascinated to hear about the story behind one of yours. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, so for me personally, uh, I have what I call a personal calendar. So these are all my things that I want to get done on a personal level. So this is stuff like scheduling time to exercise, scheduling time to do my morning routines and reading. If I have personal appointments, I will put them on there. Um, anything that I want to do that doesn't really impact other people, but just impacts myself, uh, I have it there. We have, uh, my wife and I have a shared uh, family calendar and uh, my my kids are getting to the age now, now where we're actually have decided we're going to share, we should share that calendar with them too so they know what's going on. Um, and so that's a shared Google calendar. Uh, and that is anything that impacts our family. So kids events, trips, uh, anything that, uh, you know, the more than one of us needs to know about, uh, that goes on that family calendar and that shared amongst all of us. Uh, I have work calendars for the different uh, kind of businesses that I'm involved in. And so those are may or may not be shared with other people. But I also have a, a calendar in there that is more, um, how do I describe it? Uh, I guess you'd call it a deep work calendar as well. So if I want to ma make sure to put on time there, if I'm really um, focusing on a certain project, I, I have that on there as well. And then finally, uh, and we'll talk about this a bit later, uh, I we my wife and I have what's called, uh, for lack of a better word, a family planning calendar uh, that we don't use, which actually now that I say it, uh, can have a totally different meaning than what it, <laughs> what it is, but uh, it's really <laughs> for planning out uh, things. Uh, we don't use it very often, but when we do use it, it's really handy. It's for planning out things like summer holidays, big trips and stuff like that. So it's more a uh, use for that. So those are my main calendars. And when I say it all out like that, it sounds kind of complicated, uh, but it's not really at all. It all fits together perfectly. Yeah, exactly. And that's really the point that we want to make here is that your schedule may be very simple. It may be very complex, but recognizing all the things that you have to do and the different roles and responsibilities that you have, the different hats that you have to wear is important before you can decide which are the things that you're going to make time for. Oh man, Katie just shared a whole bunch of them uh, in the uh, the Dojo channel. This is this is great. I love these. All right, so let me share a couple of mine. And uh, you kind of stole my thunder with the deep work calendar. Uh, I also have a, a deep work calendar. I call it a deep work calendar, and that is because I want to make sure that I am setting aside time to do deep work every day. 
And I find it helpful to put this on a calendar because as I'm planning out my day, I'm going to slot in deep work where it fits and I can turn off all the other calendars except the deep work calendar. And if I see that on a particular day that my three hour deep work session doesn't happen until mid afternoon, that's a red flag. <laughs> and I need to figure out a way to, uh, to rearrange it, but turning off all the other calendars so I can see that one alone in context, uh, helps me cut through all the other visual clutter and it helps that kind of stand out. If does, does that make sense? Yep, totally. I think that, I think that's a great solution as well. And, uh, yeah, it, it kind of, uh, sometimes that, that can be a helpful thing about having calendars as well. And this is a good use for, for kind of unique calendars for unique things. Although, uh, I don't think anyone's as unique as Katie, <laughs> but, uh, it, it really, uh, lets you see red flags when you see gaps or when, when you see that things haven't happened yet, it can be a big red flag for that. So I think that totally makes sense. Now, I'd, I want to come to Katie's defense a little bit here because looking at some of these and we won't get into all of these, but I will want to I do want to call out one here, which is the wealth calendar. Like, I think that's awesome because there's a lot of people who they live paycheck to paycheck simply because they don't set aside the time to start thinking about what are the things that I can do to start building wealth. And so this is a great example, in my opinion, and this is just looking at the screenshot. So Katie can correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, the fact that that one is listed and that it's checked, which means that it's visible, means that you're seeing these things and you're making decisions on a probably daily basis about moving the moving things forward in the areas that are important to you. So I think that that's awesome. Uh, and I would also say that uh, you really, there really isn't a limit to the number of calendars you can have, but don't go nuts. Uh, just pick the ones that are going to uh, give you the distinctions that you need to manage everything that you need to do. And we'll get into some more tips on managing all these calendars in a little bit. But I know that I got to get to this one that uh, you're intrigued by. So I'm going to save that though. I'm going to talk about the other two. So we, I've got a family calendar, just like you, Brooks, where it's got all the family events. So if we have, uh, we got three kids who are in soccer in the winter, we're at the Y pretty much all day, all their games, things like that practices are going to go on that calendar. Planning, this is something where like I've had to take a, a trip for quarterly planning or I'm going to go to a conference. Uh, even if there is like a conference that I'm thinking about going to, I'll put it on the planning calendar with a question mark. And then as I'm reviewing my calendars, I'll look at that and be like, oh, yeah, I should make a decision on whether I really want to go to that. Uh, and then, you know, if I decide I am going to go, I'll remove the question mark or sometimes I just decide, you know, I'm not going to be able to squeeze it in. So like one of the conferences that I was thinking about going to this year was the craft and commerce uh, conference, which I heard lots of great things about, but it's also the weekend before the 4th of July. And I think I'm at max stock shortly after that. There was a, a, when I looked at my planning calendar, I realized that I was going to be doing quite a bit of traveling in a short amount of time. And it just was too much, so I, I let that one go. But that was on my, my planning calendar. And then the one here, which I think is the one you're interested in, is this goose calendar. Yep. <laughs> now, is, that, is that like uh, a Top Gun thing or what? No, no. Now, I, I will share this link in the, uh, the Slack team, but we'll put this in the show notes as well. Uh, I explained this in an article that I wrote on, using, uh, on scheduling your priorities by color coding your calendars. So uh, this is an article that I updated as we're recording this maybe about a month ago. So if you want to see what it looks like, you can go there. Basic idea here, though, is that there's a, there's a parable um, that goes something along the lines of 
uh, you have to protect the golden goose. So there's this goose that lays the golden eggs, but if you burn out the goose, then you get no more golden eggs. And so the goose calendar is basically making sure that I have time for the self-care things that I know are going to provide me the energy that I need to do everything else. So things like if I'm going to, um, I read uh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron a while back. I was experimenting for a while with like the artist dates. Those would go on the, the goose calendar. Uh, my personal retreats, as I call them, go on the goose calendar. The uh, carving out time to go to the gym or go for my runs as I'm uh, as I'm training for a, a half marathon. But actually, by the time this episode goes live, that will have already happened. Uh, <laughs> those will go on the the goose calendar. And uh, again, I like this calendar because I like to turn off all the other calendars and just look at this one when reviewing. And if I see days where I don't have uh, where I don't have activities scheduled on this calendar, I know that. I'm going to be at the end of those days, pretty tired, pretty cranky, and it's not going to be good for anybody. (laughs) (laughs) So it means that I need to readjust some things because, I mean, it's very much in line with Asian efficiency's core values. We want to glow green before we can pull others up. It's important to me to help other people and to pull others up. But I've recognized very quickly that I'm no good to anybody if I don't take care of myself. Does your wife monitor that calendar to make sure there isn't anything out of whack to make sure you have things scheduled there just uh, just as a preservation for her too? <laughs> she, I don't think she did. Uh, although that's another, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, my wife and I, uh, another thing that we try to do when we use the calendar for this is we try to prioritize uh, date night. Uh, it's, I, I guess I'll just speak from my own personal experience that I know how easy it is to let things like that slide. And so one of the things that we decided not too long ago was we're going to make this a priority. We're going to put date night on our calendar every single week. And there are some weeks where we make the decision. It's just not going to happen uh, this Tuesday. We're going to spend time as a family or we've got a a meeting with uh, the outreach team at church or whatever. And that's okay. But because it's on the calendar, nine times out of 10, we have a date every week. And I think that that's really important. At least it's important to us. And it's a great example of how when you take time to identify the things that are important and put them on your calendar, then everything else that you quote unquote have to do kind of fills around that. Uh, And we'll get into that analogy, I believe, later on in this uh, um, outline. But uh, it's the the Stephen Covey big rocks example. So the things that are important to you, those are the big rocks. Those have to go in first. Yep, totally. And uh, I think that it's a great idea. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times we say, oh, I wish I had time. I wish I had time for this. I wish I had time for that. But if you and and sometimes you legitimately don't have time, but a good way to make it happen is get it on the calendar and then let everything kind of flow around that if it's something really, really important to you. Uh, and if it's not something important, then then you probably don't need to uh, worry about it too much and focus what on what is important to you. Yeah, now that, that doesn't mean that every single minute of every single day is going to, quote unquote, be scheduled. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, further down. I do think there's some value in that approach. But... Uh, there are going to be some things that are not going to require a calendar. So for example, and I'll just, I'll just share mine and then you can, uh, share any that, uh, that, that speak to you Brooks. But, um, like I know sleep is very important to me, but 
it happens at the same time every <laughs> every day or whenever I can get it. So that doesn't require uh, a calendar event. My morning routine at this point does not require a calendar event. And so think through the things that you're going to put on there. And really the, the question that I ask myself is kind of like, is this going to happen automatically or does it need a little bit of extra help? And if it needs a little bit of extra help, then it's going to go on my calendar. Yeah. Things like going to bed at a certain time or morning routines can be helpful if you're trying trying to establish the routine. Like if you don't currently have a morning routine, it can be helpful to do things like put that on the calendar as kind of a reminder to yourself and a way of firewalling it off. But if it's something that's pretty established and and you kind of do it without thinking about it too much, then yeah, it doesn't, uh, at least I, I don't find there's a huge amount of value putting it on. Some people do anyway, because like you said, they're the, uh, the people who plan out every minute of the day, which is not something I personally do. But if, if you're not that type of person, then yeah, the, the more automatic stuff, I think, I think you're good. I don't do it anyway. All right. So we talked about what calendars you're going to use. So the second step then is to set them up in your calendar app. And I specifically say calendar app because I think that that is really the way that you should try to manage all of these things. Uh, and that is because a calendar app is going to allow you to focus very easily on the things that you uh, you want to focus on. I've given a couple examples with the, the Goose calendar um, and the Deep Work calendar. But that filtering is going to be very valuable. So we recommend that you do that in an app. Now, I should also say I've got an analog calendar uh, in my office at home, which is the Asian Efficiency New Year calendar. That's N-E-U-Y-E-A-R. And uh, that gives you the entire year at a glance. So there is the, there is value in that sort of thing. But for your day-to-day weekly stuff, doing your planning, uh, I, I would say you're going to want to uh, use a calendar app. And there's a couple different ways that you can use calendars within an app. You can either use standalone calendars. If you were to just fire up calendars on your MacBook iOS device, and I'll speak to that specifically because I don't have a lot of PC or Android experience, but the principle is the same. If you open up the app and you just click on new calendar, it's going to be created inside that application. It's not going to translate with all of the other devices Uh, any other place that you would access the internet, uh, that's going to be one way that you could do it. But another way that you could do it is using a a cloud-based calendar. And so Office 365 is going to offer stuff like this. Google Calendar is probably the primary example for personal use that's available just about anywhere. And iCloud would also be good for this. And we recommend that you use a cloud-based calendar because that's going to allow you more flexibility when it's time to sit down and review these things. So you may, you may think, and I'll just use myself as, as an example, maybe you think that your MacBook is gonna be the best tool for reviewing your calendar. And then the iPad comes along and you get an iPad and you find that you really just like sitting in your living room with your iPad and going over your calendar, doing your weekly review on Sunday afternoons while you're watching football or whatever. That's not an option anymore unless you've used a cloud-based calendar. So we recommend that you use a cloud-based calendar. And like I said, Google is going to be the primary option that's available everywhere. iCloud is also very good, but obviously it's limited to Apple devices. Yeah, and then if you're in the Windows ecosystem, uh, chances are you may be using the Office 365 or 
uh, Outlook, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in using a cloud-based system as well. If for no other reason, then I'm always looking at my calendar on different devices. Maybe if I'm at my computer or I'm out and about checking something out or uh, my wife uh, wants to look at, at our calendar, so she's looking at it. And this way, it's all connected. And I know that no matter where I am and what device I'm using, uh, I can see my calendar right away. So definitely, I even if it's not the default in some cases, take that extra step to make sure that things in the cloud and you'll be a lot better off. Yeah. And depending on how much discipline you have, this may be more necessary than, than, uh, (laughs) than other situations. So for example, if you are at church, let's just say, and you run into somebody who wants you to help out with like the church bake sale or something, uh, and they've got you cornered <laughs> and they're asking you for an answer right now. Uh, if you don't have the ability to just flat out say no to that person, which in that scenario, maybe, you know, you're, you're picturing yourself in that scenario and, and your, your, your blood is starting to boil already because already you, f- you feel like you're trapped and you can't say no. Okay. Well, then uh, being able to pull out your phone and check your calendar gives you another, another level of, What's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's basically going to relieve some stress for you because you can at least check and make sure that you don't have another commitment before you would say yes to that thing. Now, ideally, the point you want to get to is when someone says, hey, I need you to do this, you just say, no, I'm not going to make any decisions until I have time to review everything that I've committed, my, committed myself to do. But a lot of situations, you don't have time to to do that. Uh, a lot of times, especially in a, a work situation, for example, um, someone needs an answer right away. Like you, if you're not going to be in front of your one device where you've stored all this stuff, you need to be able to pull it out and check it very quickly. And that doesn't mean that you're checking it all the time. Being, okay, now I got to do this. But when you need to make those snap decisions about whether to say yes to something, it is handy to see everything that you've committed to within the context of your calendar. Yeah. And also you're not doing the other person any favors either, because if you don't know what your day, week, uh, slash month, it looks like, and somebody's asking you for one of those requests, I get, I get these sorts of things all the time, uh, not for bake sales, but for other stuff. Um, and, and even for, you know, my kids soccer and stuff like that. Uh, if you, if you don't know, you might say, Oh, you know, maybe I'll have to check. And then that person's, you know, giving a hard no is a lot better because now that person is, is hoping that you'll be available or even, uh, what this happens to me, uh, thinks you're, you said you're a, a maybe is translated into a yes. <laughs> and if you don't, if you aren't able to give a hard no, it just causes all sorts of problems later. So yeah, it's better to, to know what your schedule is and be on top of it as much as possible. Yeah. And a lot of times like we're afraid to say no to things because we don't want people to think less of us, but really in, in reality, and this is generalizing, but I'll just speak from my own experience. The fact that you say no, if you do it correctly, uh, they have more respect for you. If you frame it as, you know, I'd really love to help with this thing, but I've got these other things that I'm committed to, and I'm just not going to be able to give it my full attention or give it the full attention that it deserves. I think it's best you find somebody else. Like they're going to respect that answer. But if you don't, and you're going to feel good because you were able to say no to something that you really weren't going to be able to squeeze in anyways. But if you don't say no, that what you're really saying is, okay, I'll just do everything halfway. <laughs> and that like no one would really want that, but that's really what you're saying 
when you when you don't take the time to be intentional about, okay, I'm going to say yes to these things because they fit and say no to these things because they're not important or they don't fit. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say on that is sometimes we talk about stuff like this, like like calendars. And the the point of all this is not to have the most awesome calendar, to use the most awesome calendar app. Like it, it can be helpful to go down that that uh, rabbit hole. The point of of even talking about this stuff and and putting some thought into this stuff is because this stuff has a lot of real world and real life impact on your personal life, your home life. Uh, not being on your calendar can can cause all sorts of different work and personal problems. So that's why stuff like this is really important. This episode of The Productivity Show is sponsored by HelloFresh, and they are offering everyone in our audience $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to hellofresh.com TPS30 and use the offer code TPS30. I love HelloFresh because HelloFresh makes cooking simple and easy. With HelloFresh, you won't spend all night in the kitchen because recipes only take about 30 minutes. Each box you receive from HelloFresh is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated, trusted sources. Every meal I've had from HelloFresh has been delicious. In fact, I've been blown away by how good and how easy they are to make. We've tried a couple different recipes from the classic plan, and my whole family loves them. My personal favorite was the cherry-drizzled pork chops with tomato couscous salad. The cherry pan sauce was amazing and something I never would have thought to try for myself, although I'm very glad I did. I can't wait to make this one again. But the best part of HelloFresh, in my opinion, is that it makes planning so much simpler. You too can enjoy not having to plan dinner, spending money on takeout for an easy night, or worry about gathering ingredients week after week. You can look forward to your weekly HelloFresh box delivery knowing dinner just got a whole lot easier. If you're ready to say hello to easy and delicious home cooking, go to HelloFresh.com slash TPS30 and use the code TPS30. That will let them know that you came from our show and it will get you $30 off your first week of deliveries. That's HelloFresh.com slash TPS30 and use the code TPS30 to save $30. Our thanks to HelloFresh for supporting The Productivity Show. We're actually going to get into the recommended applications now, and there's a bunch of them here. Now, PC and Android users, don't don't tune out yet because I did a bunch of research here to find specifically uh, what things, and I obviously wasn't able to test these, but I did a lot of research and I found some that actually look really good. And from the reviews that I've read, these are kind of the, the top PC and Android apps as well. But we're going to start with uh, some of the, the Mac stuff that we're familiar with. So first, we've got BusyCal. Uh, BusyCal is an application which is fairly expensive, but it's got a lot of really cool features like the ability to use custom week views. So I like to have eight days showing in my week. So it goes from, for example, this Monday to next Monday. And there's a lot of other reasons why you might want BusyCal. Uh, BusyCal is now part of the SetApp subscription service, which makes SetApp even more awesome in my opinion. I'm amazed at the stuff they keep adding to that. Better Touch Tool, too, by the way, is another one that they just added. Nice. Um, But if you wanted to buy BusyCal outright, we do have a discount code in the dojo. So dojo members get a 20% discount if they wanted to buy BusyCal. And that's 
the application that I've been using probably for, I don't know, five years at this point. Yeah, I use BusyCal as well. Uh, that is something I started using when I joined the Asian Efficiency team, actually. I wasn't a user before, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm all in on BusyCal now. Cool. And Katie points out, yes, they do have an iOS app uh, as well. It's come a long way. Uh, at the beginning, it was a little rough. And I use personally Fantastical, which is the next application on our list on iOS. Fantastical on iOS, in my opinion, is the best calendar app available on iOS for most people. It's a very easy to use application. The, uh, the design is great. And it's got, if you have an Apple Watch, it's got a, an Apple Watch complication, which is pretty awesome. And uh, I just think like it feels like a, a great iOS app. I can't say that about the BusyCal iOS version yet. Uh, another thing that's cool about Fantastical on iOS is that they're kind of the ones who originated the natural language stuff. Uh, at least they're the first, first ones I saw that did it really well, where you can just Siri dictate and have you know podcast recording with Brooks at 3 p.m. next Monday, and it's going to parse all that information, create the event for you, uh, and it makes adding things on your iOS device a lot easier. Yeah, I use Fantastical a lot for adding, uh, like you said, adding new events. Uh, you're getting a lot of raspberries from the Dojo chat room. Uh, I, I was surprised that uh, that everybody there so far who has responded is is all in on BusyCal on iOS. So. Uh, so, so they like it a lot. So I'm going to have to get, I haven't checked that one out for a long time. So I'm going to have to loop back and check out BusyCal on iOS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not a very popular person in the podcast <laughs> channel right now. Matt says BusyCal parsing is on par with Fantastical. Uh, it wasn't last time I tested it, which was maybe six months ago. Um, and it's, it's hard to find specific instances where, It'll work in Fantastical and it won't work in BusyCal. But all I can tell you is that when it doesn't work in BusyCal, then I get frustrated and I go to Fantastical and it always works. <laughs> so after a while, it was like, well, why keep going back and forth between these? I'll just use Fantastical on my iOS device. I'll use BusyCal on the Mac where I do a lot of the, the management level stuff and just adding things, checking things on my iOS device. I've already got Fantastical. It works great. I'm just going to keep using it. By the way, that's a really nice thing about using a, a cloud-based backbone like Google or, uh, to a certain extent, iCloud, is you can mix and match all these different app apps. You're not locked into one particular uh, one particular app platform or one even one particular operating system. In some cases, you can mix and match all these things and still get your calendar from whatever you happen to be using. Yep, definitely. Another one worth calling out is Calendars 5 which in my opinion is not on par with Fantastical or BusyCal, but it's made by Real Software and they make a lot of great productivity apps, including, uh, I believe Spark, the email client, is made by Riedel, Yep. Uh, as well as, uh, is it Scanner Pro, which is kind of the original OCR application for, um, for iOS. And so uh, they're a company that's been around for a long time. They've been making great productivity apps for a long time. And so uh, Calendars 5, I think, is if you like that app specifically, you don't have to worry about it disappearing anytime soon because Riedel has a very established reputation. Yeah, I've played with it a little bit. Um, you know, I had other apps that I, were already pretty established for me. So 
so uh, I didn't feel the need to to switch to it or anything. But uh, yeah, it's if you're if you're in that Readle ecosystem, uh, it is a and like the look and feel of their apps, it is a nice one for sure. Now all of these can work with Google calendars or iCloud calendars, but the next one here, uh, you put this one on the list, is just the Google Calendar app, which is a pretty incredible calendar app if you just use Google calendars. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to give some love for the Google Calendar app. There's an iOS app, and of course, there's an Android one. And it's actually a, a quite a nice calendar app. Uh, I, I tend to use it quite a bit, although right now, for whatever reason, it's as of recording, it's uh, freezing for me a lot lately. So this might end up with me dumping it. Uh, but I just <laughs> like the I like the look and feel of it. I like uh, this is a very superficial thing, but it makes me smile is I like how it pulls. If you if you give a an event a location, like say a certain arena or a certain field or whatever, or a certain building or address. And because Google Maps has all those images associated with those locations, it will it will make the it will give the calendar and entry uh, that one of those images when you're in uh, the schedule view, which I really like. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a good app. It's not as great as say Fantastical for adding new new events. So adding events is is kind of slow. Uh, but as far as looking at your calendar, uh, I tend to use that throughout the day quite a bit. Nice. And also worth calling out here, I know it's at the end, but since we're talking about Google Calendar right now, the web view is pretty good as well, which I definitely agree. I, I managed the productivity show calendar that we mentioned at the very beginning, almost exclusively in the the uh, the web view. Um, and so you don't need an application necessarily to use a, a Google Calendar. Yep, for sure. All right, next one on the list is TimePage, which is an app by Moleskine, which is a little bit strange maybe, but it's actually a really well-done application. Now, I should say that uh, I got this, I think, when it first came out, and it was probably free at the time. Then it switched to a paid app, and now it is a subscription service. So unless you are all in with TimePage, uh, it's probably not worth the subscription but it does have some very nice design and uh, a, a lot of very visual, visually interesting uh, touches and, and flourishes in the uh, the iOS app. Have you yep, used this, TimePage no, at all? Nope, this is one I have not personally used. Uh, I remember when it came out, uh, there was a lot of chatter about it and people uh, were intrigued, but no, I, I've never given that one a try. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that I would say check it out now if you've not been using it in the in the past because of the subscription. I think there's a lot of other really great calendar options available. But if you, you know, have it or grandfathered into it, you downloaded it a long time ago, forgot about it, may want to take a look at it because it is a very well-designed app. Next one on the list here is one that I was not familiar with, and this is a Windows app. This is Viewfinder, which touts itself as the best Windows calendar app. And in a lot of the, the articles and lists that I saw, a lot of people suggested this one. There's a, a lot of things that this does. Um, the, looking at this app kind of reminds me why I like Mac software uh, so much, because there is a lot going on on this screen. But it does look like a very powerful calendar application. You've got events and appointments, tasks and subtasks. You can have notes. It's a fully featured contact manager. Uh, you can sync and share your calendars, uh, print them, color code them. 
There's even uh, language translations within the the application. So this looks like a, a, a good app, but uh, as a non-Windows user, was not able to test this one. Right. Um, yes, same here. This, this one I've seen come up before as well, which is very interesting because most Windows users I personally know uh, just tend to use Outlook. So it's interesting that there's, there is this, this cluster of Outlook alternatives out there. Viewminder looks kind of Google, Google Calendar-y the way they've, they've set up the look and feel. Uh, but uh, I'd be interested to hear from Windows users uh, in the audience uh, if they use one of these Outlook alternatives or if they're just with, with Outlook. So definitely uh, hit us up at Productivity FM on uh, Twitter and let us know. Yeah, and then the next one here, which is a looks like primarily, uh, actually no, not primarily a mobile device. There's a mobile and a PC version of this, and that is One Calendar. And the description here says the most popular app to view all your calendars, like Google, Live, Outlook, iCloud, Exchange, Office 365, and even Facebook. So it integrates with Facebook calendars if you really wanted it to do that sort of a thing. And looking at the screenshots of this. This looks more along the lines of an application that I would use. It looks very clean. For example, the, the one that I'm looking at right now, it's got the whole month view and it's got the different color bars to indicate the types of events that are occurring on those specific days. And then below that, there's a list of the events. And uh, I just think that this looks like it's laid out pretty well. But again, not having uh, just being completely in the Apple ecosystem, not able to test this one. Although from what I saw online, it looks like this is fairly popular and well-received. It says it's also available on HoloLens. So if you want your calendar in your glasses, uh, this is the way to go, apparently. (laughs) Right. Yeah, again, not able to test that. (laughs) All right. And then the other one that people spoke highly of uh, when I was doing research for this was Kronos Calendar. And this one looks like it has been around for a while, and this looks kind of in between uh, ViewMinder and uh, One Calendar, where it's uh, a little bit more information on the screen, but it looks like, in my opinion, it's laid out uh, pretty well, even on a uh, mobile device. And this one, I believe, is like 250 in the uh, Microsoft Store, so it's pretty cheap. There you go. All right, and then obviously there is Microsoft Outlook. Uh, Outlook is not a bad application. Uh, I was surprised when we were doing the interviews with people when we were putting together Inbox Detox. There were quite a few people who were in the Microsoft ecosystem and they were explaining to me how they manage their email and also their calendars and tasks and things like that. Microsoft Outlook uh, looks like it has come a long way. And again, I don't use it on a regular basis, but I used to say, if you're using Microsoft Outlook, look for something else. But uh, I don't think that I would say that at this point. No, there's definitely something to be said for having everything all in all in one, uh, basically in one ecosystem, you can do a lot with the connections between the emails and the and the calendar entries and the tasks. And the people who and we have a lot of people in the dojo who who are like this. The people who use Outlook heavily, there's a lot of people that can just make it sing and are super productive with it. So uh, I know uh, Mac users tend to hate on Outlook a little bit, but uh, I'm not one of those people. It's uh, it's actually a great application. If you if you configure it a little bit, you get rid of some of the annoying things about it uh, with the notifications and stuff like that. I think it gets a, a bit of a bad rap because you can do a lot with it. 
Yeah, that would be uh, one thing specifically to call out if you are going to use Microsoft Outlook is make sure that you turn off. I don't even know what they're called, those little pop-up notifications in the bottom right of the screen. Yep. Uh, those are really annoying, and I think that that's, that's a, a good tip that's worth pointing out. You know, If you want to embrace the Asian efficiency mindset for a lot of things, but you're in a Microsoft ecosystem, that would be the first thing we would tell you to do is to turn off those notifications. All right, so those are a lot of the applications that we looked at and that we would recommend. Uh, so that's the second step here, setting things up in your calendar app. Uh, and then the third one here is schedule everything that you intend to do. All right, so just for, to recap real quickly, number one, decide what calendars you're going to use. Number two, set them up in your calendar app. Number three, schedule everything you intend to do. Now, there are a couple specific things that must go on your calendar. Appointments should go on your calendar. Time-sensitive tasks should go on your calendar. And I'm also going to say that time blocks should go on your calendar. Now, these are not your tasks, but these are the things that are important to you. We gave a lot of examples of these with the different calendars that we mentioned. Uh, I mentioned specifically scheduling time to go for my runs. Uh, every week I try to do a one-on-one -on -one with one of my kids. So traditionally that has been, I take one of them to a coffee shop, they get hot chocolate, I get coffee, we just talk for an hour. Uh, that goes on my calendar. Date night with my wife, that's gonna go on my calendar. And you can determine the things that are important to you but then create these time blocks for these things to happen. And this is why you can't, in my opinion, schedule every minute of your day, but you can schedule every hour of your day. Your time blocks should be at least one hour, in my opinion. If you wanted to make them 90 minutes, you could do that, but I wouldn't make them less than an hour uh, because that's going to create a built-in margin for you as you go about your day and you're going to be much less likely to be thrown off track. Yeah, and this is something that... Uh and I, I, I think we're, we're just heading into talking about this. So I thought I'd uh, send things that way. One thing that whenever we talk about this sort of stuff, we, we kind of get call on a little bit and, and people will say, well, I thought you guys said not to put tasks on your calendar, but we're saying if you want to do things, they should go on your calendar. So I think this is, this is kind of a way that, uh, this is kind of what you're talking about here, where you're not necessarily putting every single little task that you need to put on on your calendar and you still a calendar doesn't replace a task manager at least in my opinion uh, but you want to make sure you have space on that calendar to do all those things that that you need to get done yeah exactly so i mentioned i've got a deep work calendar i'm not going to put all the different writing tasks that i'm going to be working on throughout my day on my calendar but i will put the deep work calendar time block on there which is going to give me the space that I need to take action on those those things. So that's an example of not putting your tasks on there. Now, we did mention time-sensitive tasks. So if I have to pick my kid up from school, and we homeschool, so I don't have to worry about this. Maybe you do, Brooks. You know, you pick your kid up from school at a, a specific time. Like, maybe that goes on your calendar to make sure you don't forget. <laughs> but uh, that would be a you know an example of a time-sensitive task. Not everything you're going to do is going to appear on there, like you said. For sure. Now, if you do want more tips on how to use a task manager and a calendar together, we've got a link in the show notes. I'll paste this in Slack as well on an article that I wrote, I think, a, was it last year, on how to use a calendar and a task manager together. 
Uh, but this is where I wanted to talk about scheduling your priorities, not prioritizing your schedule. So I mentioned the Stephen Covey story with the big rocks. And for everybody who's listening live right now, they probably know this already, but maybe you're new to the productivity space. You haven't listened to that many episodes of the productivity show and you haven't heard this. I'll just recap it real quickly. And this comes from uh, Stephen Covey. And he tells a story. I don't know where it originated, but the, the short version is is this that there was a professor who brought a jar, uh, a big jar, set on a table in front of his class, and then took some big rocks, put them in the jar, and said, is the jar full? Uh, Everybody says, yes. And he's all, really? So he takes out pebbles, pours them in, fills in around the rocks. Is it full? At this point, you know, they're starting to get it. So no, then sand, and then uh, finally water. So the, the point here that uh, and Matt's making fun of me. He says yawn in the podcast channel. The point that, and then he asked the class, like, what's, what's the point of all this? And somebody says, you can always squeeze more into your day. And while that there is some truth to that, really the point is if you put the sand and the water and the pebbles in first, you will never get the big rocks in. And so you have to put the big rocks, the things that are important to you on your calendar first and then schedule around those. All right. So you don't want to use your calendar for everything that you need to do. That's sand, that's pebbles, that's water, and that will get done. You'll be amazed at how much you can fit in around the things that are really important to you. But if you put the things that are important to you on there first, you make sure that they get done. So one big example of this for me this year has been the one-on-ones with my kids where once a week I take them out for to coffee. That was something that found myself end of last year thinking that would be really cool if I was able to do that. You know, I wish I could spend more time with my kids. How many, there's probably thousands of people listening who would say the exact same thing. All right. But the truth is you can, <laughs> you just have to think about it the right way. So the, after I had that thought, I'm like, well, let's look at this. Is there a way that I can make this work? And yeah, you know, I put it on my calendar. I tried it for a little bit and I didn't commit to do it forever. I committed to do it for a month and see if it was working. I found after a month that it really wasn't decreasing my productivity at all. All the other things I needed to get done still got done, but I was also making sure that I was intentionally spending consistent time with my kids. And so maybe you don't have kids. Maybe it's something else that's important to you. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe it's you know writing your book or starting your, your side business, whatever it is, that's the thing that you got to get on your calendar first. And I know in the uh, the presentation that we did about how to how to get a year's worth of work done in the next thirty days, we both share our stories. Uh, I've shared mine a bunch of times. Maybe you can just recap yours, Brooks, for uh, for the podcast audience here uh, about how you embraced this strategy when you were launching Document Snap. Yeah, uh, I really wanted to start my own web based business, and but I had a full time job that started at 8 a.m. and then I had two young kids. So uh, time was something I definitely did not have a lot of. So I thought, okay, how can I get this done? So uh, I what I decided to do is instead of leaving at the normal time to go into work, I went downtown at 6 a.m. and just hold up in a Starbucks or in a uh, in a, a lobby of a hotel near my office building. And I would spend that hour hour or so every single morning, uh, learning what I wanted to learn, building out, uh, the site, all, all that sort of stuff. And, and then, you know, managed to do that. And then 
at you know 7:55 right before I needed to be at work, I'd snapshot my laptop, walk across the street, and then do my day job. And for me, that was I knew I had a goal. I knew there was something I wanted to do, and but I knew I had all these uh, big rocks uh, with my family and and stuff like that. And my and my you know what actually paid the bills at that time. Uh, so I managed to just find the time, uh, the only time I could think of to be able to do that. Yeah, and I don't know if you actually put that on your calendar or not, but essentially you were. <laughs> uh, you were carving out that time consistently to take action on those things. And I think this is a really important idea. Uh, and there's a, a dojo video course coming on this topic. I'm going to tease this because I've seen the videos myself by, uh, by Curtis McHale on, on time blocking. And uh, he says something in one of those videos which is really important and it goes something along the lines, I'm probably going to mess it up, but something along the lines of you never, uh, you never can make time, but you can, you can find it. Mm -hmm. And the best way to find time for the things that are important to you is to make sure that they go on your calendar first. Yeah. And, uh, you know, friend of the friend of the show, uh, Mike Vardy, uh, I know he had a, a, a kind of similar story. Now for me, I am absolutely not a, as Mike can attest, cause we've hung out a lot in Austin. Uh, I am absolutely not an evening person. So I, I conk out pretty early, but I am a morning person. So for me, getting up really early was the time that made the more sense for someone like Mike, who is a extreme night owl. Uh, he, for him, when he was carving out this time, it was at night and that worked well for him. So we all have different times that work for us. Yeah, just to clarify, Mike Vardy is the night owl. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Too many mics around here. (laughs) Yeah, point of clarification. But yeah, same principle. You know, you want to make sure that you schedule the time for the things that are important to you. And I still believe personally that if you can create the time for your most important tasks at the beginning of your day, you will get more done on it just because you physically have the most in your tank at that point. But if the only time you've got is late at night, then uh, you can definitely apply this this scheduling principle to that as well. Now, that may be a good transition point here. We've talked about how to set up your calendars. Now let's get into some calendar management tips. And this is kind of next level calendar management stuff. But this is also things that you could do right away. So everything that we've talked about before, kind of like a process to to developing this schedule, which is going to contain your entire life. But these are things that small things you could implement uh, pretty much right away. Now, the first one here, this may not sound like something you can implement right away, but it is because I've done it myself. Plan your whole day. Now, what now, you may be thinking to yourself that that doesn't make any sense because I literally just said, don't schedule every minute of your day. <laughs> But I would say that if you time block, which is a little bit of a more advanced strategy, but if you schedule at least an hour blocks for all the different modes or or things that your places you're going to be, whatever, however you want to break it down. But if you use those time blocks to plan your day, uh, then this is totally doable. What doesn't get planned typically gets wasted. And Cal Newport, the author of Deep Work, has a a blog post about this, which I will paste in the Slack channel for everybody who's listening to us right now. But in that article, he says, and this is just high level uh, what he noticed, but these are his words, a 40-hour time-blocked work week, I estimate, 
produces the same amount of output as a 60 plus hour week pursued without structure. So if you want to get 50% more done, <laughs> schedule your entire day. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I really believe it. I, I mean, I obviously haven't done the the math and tracking on that. Um, but one thing that I did learn when I did time track and this leads into time blocking in a second. But one thing I really learned when I time time tracked is that there is a lot of time throughout the day that we waste on things that or that we don't realize we spend as much time as we do on things. And it's because we're not really intentional. So I totally believe that if you if you block out your your week and figure out what you're going to be working on when I totally believe that it it could uh it can meet that 60 hour hour work week if you week if you're not if you're not actually planning out because otherwise these little things that you don't realize you spend so much time on expand and and take take over everything exactly i think it's parkinson's law is it that uh work will expand to fill the time <laughs> yeah, I think so. uh, yeah but in my experience unless you've time blocked your your entire week. So there's a couple principles at work here. Um, number one, if you're trying to get more done in the time that you have available, use time blocking and you'll be able to squeeze the things in that you probably wouldn't have uh, previously. Going back to the whole idea of work versus uh, versus your personal life, if you really wanted to not have to think about the things at the office when you left and the difference was you being able to squeeze out another hour or two to, to wrap these things up before you left, then time block and you'll be able to do that. Uh, but also I have found that when you time block like this, not only do you within the entire scope of your day get more things done, but you also establish more margin if you do it right. So if you schedule in at least one hour blocks, what you will find specifically for longer blocks is that we procrastinate on things. We don't get started on them. We think it's going to take more effort than it really does. By the time we finally do get rolling on it, we get it done quicker than we thought. Well, if you schedule two hours to do this thing and you get it done in an hour and a half and you you can move on, you have a choice at that point. You could either take a break, which is going to make your next work session more effective, or you can get cranking on the next thing on your list. Uh, and both of those, I think, are decent options depending on the amount of energy that you've got at, at that particular time. Uh, but time blocking is really the thing that makes that possible. Yep. Just wanted to mention Matt uh, in the dojo is mentioning uh, this is more hyper like hyper scheduling than time blocking, but it kind of it, it's both, I guess, is a friend of the show. David Sparks uh, wrote a series on hyper scheduling because he was doing the experiment of basically planning every minute of his day. So he had a three part series on his blog about that. So in the dojo uh, chat room, I, I posted the uh the third in that series so people can go back and and read through them awesome he's supposed to be on the show uh, as we record this next week for everybody who's listening live if you have questions about that hyper scheduling that would be the time to bring them <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the next one here is don't get upset when it doesn't go perfect so dwight eisenhower is the one who said that plans are useless planning is everything i totally agree with this uh, and I've found that just by setting the intention for my day, by writing down, these are the most important tasks that I want to get done. One of the things that I write down every day is what would make today awesome. <laughs> uh, just by writing those things down, there's, I've probably quadrupled my chances of that actually happening. 
Um, but if it doesn't go exactly the way I think it's going to, then don't freak out, just adjust and repair. Because a lot of times it doesn't go exactly according to plan. If you have that intention set at the beginning, you'll find that sometimes, you know, something takes longer, something comes up, you got to deal with it, takes more time. Uh, sometimes you can recover from that later on in the day. If you've still got your course charted, you know, you can still arrive at your, your destination. But even if it doesn't, recognize that every single day is another chance to hit the reset button. And the valuable part of this is just being intentional and moving in the right direction. If you do that consistently, you will make a lot of progress in the right direction. But if you don't take the time to plan, which I totally get because I've been there where it's like, well, I could plan this all out. I'm just going to get blown up anyways. Well, then you're just you're subjecting yourself to the, the whims of everybody else that's around you. Uh, and so I would say 100%, you know, make sure that you you plan, make sure that you're intentional about how you're going to be spending your time, uh, but then just recognize that it's not always going to be perfect. Yeah, this is something I actually, I'm glad you brought this up because I, this is actually something that I don't think gets talked about enough. And I think this is the source of, or maybe not the source, but this is uh, contributes to a lot of productivity issues. And this is something I hear talk and see talking talking to people is something doesn't go right you know maybe uh their to-do list is getting out of control they're feeling bad because they don't accomplish everything they want to do in the day so they start feeling bad and then they kind of feel you know upset about that they're beating themselves up so then it gets a bit worse the next day and the next work and it kind of snowballs from there so what you said is exactly what i tell people is you know yes yesterday whatever happened happened yesterday was a totally different day let's just focus on now and going forward and that's i mean sometimes that's easier said than done but that's a nice thing about planning is is you're able to do that you're able to to just be totally forward looking uh, and not not worry about the stuff that happened in the past so i'm really glad you brought that up yeah absolutely now kind of along those lines the third point here which can go a long ways into helping turn your plan days into successfully planned days is to plan at around 75%. Now, how did I get to 75% specifically? It's kind of a guesstimation, but I do want to share this principle and I forget which book I, I stole this from. So I apologize to the author in advance, but there's this concept of the ringing effect and the ringing effect is when systems like airports, freeways, et cetera, when they exceed 90% capacity, their efficiency drops massively. And I think that the same thing can be said about your calendar. And again, just speaking from my own personal experience, if you have your calendar so jam-packed that you can't spare 10 minutes here or there, I would find myself anyways, being a high fact finder, freaking out about that for the next six hours until, you know, it was time to actually do the thing. And that's really when it matters. But, you know, I'm thinking about it the entire time and every time and everything that I'm doing up until that point is being affected. Or maybe it happened at the beginning of my day and I'm upset that it happened at the beginning of my day and I still keep thinking about it and I can't focus on what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, that's, that's the ringing effect. And so if you're able to plan at less capacity, you've got a much better chance of avoiding that log jam. Now, how do you implement this when you're planning your whole day? Overestimate how long you think things will take. So if you think something is going to take an hour, time block for two. 
If, if you know that an appointment is going to take an hour, maybe you just need to add a little bit of a buffer for travel time and you're going to round that up. So maybe you're just adding, you know, it's a five minute drive. So you add 15 minutes on the front and the back. So you have an hour and a half now for this, this one hour thing. But building in that margin, I can't tell you the difference that this makes, but it makes everything so much <laughs> simpler and it just makes everything click so much better. Plus, let's be honest, as people, we're generally horrible at estimating time anyway. So things almost always end up taking longer than they think they will. So you might as well just <laughs> you might as well just uh, kind of put that into practice right away. And it will make like you said, it make it'll make your day way better. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another th- more advanced strategy, and this is something that we've done at Asian Efficiency, is to group your meetings or your calls. Meetings and calls tend to be two of the things that can totally derail a day. So what we did is we combined all of those things into one day. <laughs> we've actually got a podcast episode. It's TPS 195 where Marmel was on and she talked about how we batched all of our meetings at Asian Efficiency to Wednesday. What that does is it gives us a lot more flexibility Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday to do our deep work and to go deep on whatever project we happen to be working on. And we know that Wednesday is going to be shot anyways. So we just go from meeting to meeting to meeting and it's okay because that's the purpose of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You, I mean, uh, go into way more detail in that episode, but you just accept that you're basically not going to get much done that day, which sounds bad, but it frees up all your other days for really making a lot on your goals. uh, Because you have all these other days where you used to have these little meetings here or there that can derail your day quite a bit, way more than the half an hour or hour the meeting itself might take. So moving them all to one day on Wednesday has been awesome. I mean, sometimes it doesn't feel so awesome when you're getting to the end of Wednesday, (laughs) but on all the other days, it's fantastic. Best change we made. Yeah, I I love it. And so definitely check out that episode if you want to learn more about how we batched all that. Um, But you can do this on a micro level too. You don't have to batch all of your meetings into a specific day, but there's this concept of the biological prime time. So try not to schedule calls and meetings when you are able to, the way your body is wired, go deep and do your deep work. You know, if if your biological prime time, the time when you can really click and dive deep is 9 a.m., use that time for writing or whatever the thing is that's going to provide the most value for you. Don't schedule uh, a meeting that time if you can you can avoid it. Uh, a lot of admin type tasks. Maybe you want to batch those in the late afternoon. You know, you come back from lunch, you had a big lunch, and you just feel kind of drained. You don't want to start diving deep on any of those big projects. Well, do some of the smaller things, the easier things that don't require as much effort, the things that you tend to put off maybe, you know, batch them all one specific time, get them all done, then you don't have to worry about them. So different ways that you can implement this, but basic idea is to group these things together because then you're not switching modes. Next point here is to create a routine. So kind of along those same lines of grouping meetings and calls, figuring out your biological prime time and aligning the activities with the time and the best time to do them. If you can figure out a specific time every week that really works for something, then schedule it at the same time every week. And if you do that for a while, you're not going to need to put it on your calendar anymore. So for example, I mentioned the morning routine. I've got several things that are part of my morning routine that I don't need to make sure appear on my calendar anymore. I don't have to have a list to work off of. I've ingrained those things and they just happen pretty much automatically now when I get up. I used to though, I used to put on my calendar the one hour time block for my morning routine to make sure 
that I prioritized it and followed through on it. Now it's a habit. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, uh, we talked about this earlier, but it's the same thing. When you're establishing a habit, put it on the calendar because uh, it can help you make sure you do it. But once once that's established, possibly don't need to have it on there anymore. Yep, exactly. Uh, next point here is to plan the way that you work. Now, I know that sometimes you're not going to have complete control over your entire calendar, but this really is just aligning the things for when you are most productive. So I mentioned the idea of biological prime time, and that's something I picked up from Chris Bailey, who was on the productivity show. I forget which episode that was, but he wrote the uh, the productivity project. He did a whole bunch of experiments uh, of all the different productivity advice out there. So he worked 20 hour weeks. He worked 70 hour weeks. He got up early. He stayed up late. And then he basically just chronicled and journaled his experience with all of these different things. But one of the things that he mentions in there that really that really uh, made an impact on him is this whole idea of the biological prime time. So everybody's wired a little bit different, and there's going to be times throughout your day where things are just going to naturally click for you. And I can't overestimate how important this is. A lot of times we can just get focused on, well, I'm going to find the time to do this and not even think about whether it is the right time for us to be doing that. But just have a little bit of awareness and maybe, you know, you set a prompt every hour. There are apps that do this too, like mood notes, for example, it'll pop up every hour and say, how are you feeling? You know, and you chronicle that for a week or two, just till you start to see these patterns. And then you take that information and you use it as you intentionally set the course for your week. And like I said, maybe you don't have complete control over everything, but I would say that almost everybody's going to have some flexibility and where this information could really provide some value. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, I was saying to Mike before before we recorded this, basically all day I had one big time block because I was working on this big project and I was doing uh, you know, a lot of uh, kind of deep work, deep thinking type stuff, uh, which was great, um, but if I was to be working on doing that same thing after recording this, which is kind of later in the afternoon here, I don't think I would have made the same headway because I was working in what is my biological prime time. So, uh, yeah, you got to, um, as much as possible, if you're able to pay attention to this stuff, cause it, it definitely has an impact or at least it does for me. Yeah, it definitely does for me too. Although coffee definitely helps. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. All right. The next one here, I believe you put this one on here, but I, I like this, uh, but I'll let you kind of explain it. Yeah, this is what I, I referred to earlier. This is one thing that um, we, my wife and I kind of stumbled into by accident uh, is a, a great use for a separate calendar. Uh, we use Google Calendar, like I said, a share, shared Google Calendar. And what we use, we have a separate calendar that we basically only use a couple times a year. And it's for planning family vacations and tri and trips and planning things like school breaks. So, for example, uh, we have this separate Google Calendar, which until recently I just realized was still called summer 2013. Uh, so I just changed it last <laughs> a couple of weeks ago because I realized probably that's not such an accurate name. Uh, but basically what we do is when it comes to like planning summer vacation for our kids, uh, what we'll do is we'll sit down together and we'll just use that calendar and draw the different things we're going to have them do throughout the summer. And uh, it's really helpful because it by using a separate calendar, you're kind of separate. It's not an appointment. It's more for planning, but you can, you know, draw it on the calendar. You can see, um, 
you can you can move appointments around uh, you can also visually see when you have gaps so you think okay well we don't have anything for them this week for example and and maybe that's okay maybe that's what you want but it but having these kind of separate planning calendars which for us is for our family because we have kids um, also we just went on this big European vacation that had a lot of a ridiculous amount of moving parts and and different things going on so we use that same calendar for planning all that out so we can make sure okay we're you know we're here at this time and we, we it flows into this time and and all that sort of thing and using a digital calendar that's shared between us uh was really really helpful uh for doing that and so it so these single use or or in our case, like three times a year use calendars can be really helpful for planning purposes. Very cool. Yeah, I love it. I don't think I have anything else to add to that. That's a <laughs> great point. Um, and so the last one then is to use a scheduler. Now, this is a little bit more of an advanced technique. A couple applications that I would recommend uh, we would recommend, I know you've used at least schedule once because that's what we use here at Asian Efficiency. Uh, but another one which you could use is called Calendly. The basic idea behind these is you set the parameters for when you want people to be able to book time on your calendar. And then you can share a link which you can send them and they can look at your entire calendar and they can say, I want to book time at this particular slot. And you can have it so... It either books it right away when they are done scheduling it, or you can have it so that uh, they send a request and then you have to confirm it. You can even have them send you know, three options and you pick the one and have it appear on the calendar at that point. But Calendly is the, the best one, I think, for personal use because there's a free version which gives you all of the features, but you can only have one event type. So literally, if you just wanted to create an event type for a 60-minute meeting, and then set up the parameters, you could start using Calendly right away. I think Schedule Once is paid. I don't know about their free tier. Uh, I haven't looked at that because we've just been using the, the paid version for so long here at Asian Efficiency. Uh, but Calendly also looks a little bit better. And uh, in my experience, you know, if you're just getting started with this, you don't need a bunch of different event types. Now, if you wanted to do that with Calendly, you could add all those. And I think it's like $8 a month if you wanted to have all the advanced features, the custom domains, and, and all that. Uh, but this is the one that I would recommend that people get started with if they wanted to use a scheduler. Does that Did I describe a scheduler well? Do you want to add anything uh, to that, Brooks, about how these work? No, that's perfect. The, the, the main thing that these schedules are really great for, and this is especially true for working with people outside of the organization, but you can use them inside the organization as well. But where, where these things really shine is it avoids this whole back and forth of trying to figure out, oh, does, uh, how about Tuesday at 12? Oh, that doesn't work. How about Monday at one or, or whatever? Um, you, it allows you, first of all, like like you said, it, it allows you to firewall off your calendar. So you, you can only make certain periods of time available for other people uh, to get access to you. Because, you know, giving access to your whole calendar means uh, that they could put stuff on there when you might, even though it's quote unquote free, you might still not want uh, to book it. So you can set certain times to be able to to let people book, but then it just gets rid of all of the back and forth. It makes it way more efficient. So I love these tools. Yeah, these are these are great. Um, and Schedule Once has stuff built in, which is more along the lines of Doodle.me, which is a more advanced calendaring uh, tool for groups of people. 
So, you know, if you're trying to figure out a time to meet with somebody and you've got five people now, just imagine the back and forth that's required if that happens via email. So doodle.me or schedule once, uh, what people can do is they can, you propose a bunch of dates and times, and then everybody just basically it checks the boxes for the one hour blocks that they're, they're available. And then, uh, they will line them all up and say, this is the one that works for everybody. And then with a click of a button, you can send out the calendar invite to everybody. Uh, and that's actually what we use when we schedule, uh, I've got a group of, of people here in Appleton that are part of an Appleton, uh, just a, like a local mastermind group. There's five of us. So we use, uh, we use doodle.me, but schedule once has that baked in. So if you were to buy a single application and you had use of all of these features, schedule once is probably the, the place to go. But if you're just getting started, Calendly is great and it's free for free to get started. And for a lot of people, that's all you would ever need. Yep, for sure. One pro tip here with these schedulers, uh, this is something that Tan had pointed out, is that if you make all-day events marked as busy in your calendar application, which we talked about earlier, schedule once will see that and mark that day as unavailable. I'm guessing that Calendly would do this as well. But the important thing here is just so people understand is that if you were to create an all day event, let's say, you know, I'm going to be at uh, the Entree Leadership Summit coming up and I have point, I have an all day event and it's actually a multi-day event that I'm going to be gone this day to this day. You have an option in a lot of calendar applications to mark that as busy, or if you leave it unchecked, what it'll tell uh, everybody else who's looking at your calendar for your availability that you can still be booked during that time. And so if you mark it as busy, schedule once, and I'm guessing Calendly, but I haven't confirmed this, scheduling services, though, will interpret that data from your cloud-based calendar, and they'll say, okay, they are not available on this day. And that just kicks it out further down the road. It's going to keep looking further into the future for available dates as options that it's going to show people who want to book time on your calendar, which is a pretty handy feature. Yeah, Tan almost fell off his chair when I when I taught him this. And uh, the the thing about this one that I know a lot of listeners use BusyCal as a calendar app, as long as do many of us. The busy at the busy field in BusyCal does not show by default for a lot of people. So you have to go into the preferences, and then you can you can show that field. And once you do that, then yeah, you can mark it as busy, and all of these calendar services uh, should recognize that. I would imagine. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to managing your calendars correctly, but in this episode, we gave you several practical tips and a simple process to follow for creating a calendar management strategy that will work for you. But if you want some additional ideas and don't want to have to reinvent the wheel, our awesome Dojo members have you covered. The Dojo is our online productivity community, and in this episode, we mentioned a couple different calendars and screenshots that our members shared during the recording. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. The Dojo forums and the private Slack team are the perfect place to ask other super smart productivity nerds for advice and learn from what they do. Now here's the best part. You can get access to everything the Dojo has to offer for only $1 for your first month. But this offer is just for podcast listeners. So if you want to take advantage of this special offer, you have to go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. You'll get access to the entire dojo, including the private video training library, the community, which can help hold you accountable for reaching your goals, 
and direct access to myself, Brooks, Tan, and the rest of the Asian Efficiency team. But that special $1 for your first month offer is only available at theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. You can also find links to everything that we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 198. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast. The show is on Twitter as at ProductivityFM. And if you want to get your questions answered and get mentioned on the show, you can send us a tweet with the hashtag AskTPS. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next Productive Monday.